Get cozy. Get real. It's time to settle in and expose yourself. On Cuddle Talk with Angela and Dana. Good. Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Cuddle Talk. I am Dana Sardano, and this is Miss Professional and Grown-Up, Angela DeMarco. And, um, <laughs> and on Cuddle Talk, if you have yet to join us, uh, we are just here in our chill spots, in our sleepwear, hanging out in a comfortable place, in our most authentic versions of ourselves, just uh, stripping it all down and just, you know, talking about um, things that inspire us, uh, moments of stepping into our greatness, of living life uh, to its fullest. And although sometimes we do have, um, we have company, we have guests, uh, we also have moments where we go commando. So welcome to Going Commando with Angela and Dana on Cuddle Dog. So we're going to... So we're going to see where this thing goes, and uh, I want to open with Angela. My understanding, Angela, you had a, a bit of a complicated morning this morning. I did, I did. And, you know, I just wanted to talk about how this idea of going commando, you know, kind of came about. So the fact that you and I talk every day as partners in business, as friends in life, as, you know, a sister from another mister, you know, like this is just we always talk, but we never really talk over the weekend, like when we're doing family time, you know? So um, we always have these profound realization conversations on Monday morning. And Dana was like, why don't we just like record them? Because <laughs> and, uh, and we might as well share. So we never know where it's going to go. And the, the purpose of the two of us doing this is that it's going to be, um, it's unscripted and unthought about and who knows what's going to, what's going to come out and uh, apologies in advance if anybody, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever we say, All but right. yeah, but it's just getting down, getting down dirty. So this morning I wanted to talk about how, oh, this is hot. I love my like, cute little snuggie, but I'm, it's hot. It's, a, it's October. <laughs> so um, this morning, Christian and I both slept late. Right. Maddie took the truck to school and Christian and I both woke up at 7.50. I sleep in his room so that Dave can get a good night's sleep because Christian. And how, how old is Christian? Four. He's giant. So he's just like this long kid and he always sleeps on Dave's pillow and puts his feet on me, which I don't mind, but Dave can't sleep. So anyway, so we wake up at 7.50 and he's just not having it. It's Monday morning and he's not having it. And Dave's all rushy because he's late for work and they, you know, he's got added stress because they lost somebody at work and they're short staffed. And so that's just on top of everything. And Christian's like the rest of us. He needs like his morning milk, right? He needs like his cup of coffee. You know, he's got to just like wake up. So, but until he has it, until he gets to that space, it's, I don't want to go to school, blah, blah, blah. And we just ignore him, stick him on the couch. Well, today he was just not having it. He was really grumpy and I he was going, no, no, he's doing that whole thing. So I was like, I put him up in his room and I put him back in his room and he hates going to his room to be punished. But this is some, this is a trick that you taught me, Dana, because I didn't know that this was like a thing I could do. Right. I can punish my children. <laughs> you know, I mean, I grew up without like having any kind of discipline. Right. Because yeah. raised by wolves or I was raised by people who weren't even there. And I was thinking about this. I put a penny in a socket when I was like two years old and they left the charring on the wall. And it's like, it was always my fault. But 
freaking like two years old who was watching me, you know? I got to tell you, I think about that all the time and I try not to be judgy about it, but I see all these videos, reels, TikTok, whatever the hell it is. (laughs) I'm like an old lady. I don't know this newfangled technology. (laughs) But I see where like the kids like get into like their full like their makeup from head to toe or they're in the litter box or they've spilled over, they've, they've plugged the toilet, whatever it is. And I'm like, and then I ask myself, because my kids are, they're about to be 12 and 13. Yaya's coming up on a birthday. And I'm like, mine never really did anything like that. And then I was like, oh, wait. I, and again, not judgy, but mine were well supervised. Yeah. Like they were supervised. Like I'm not saying they didn't do stupid stuff. And I'm not saying, I'll say to Yaya, Yaya, what do I always say? So don't do dumb stuff. Like yeah. I'm not saying that they haven't done anything and that I haven't, you know, won the Mother of the Year award, you know, ironically. Like I'm not suggesting that for a second. Yeah. But if your kid has the ability to stick a penny in a socket, like I, my uncle always tells a story that when I was, about two and I crossed like Palisades Avenue and like North Jersey and Woodbridge and nobody knew I'm like how are you guys having a meal and not know that your two year old walked out the door and crossed the street I know I know know. just throwing that out there but I'm sorry please continue (laughs) (laughs) yeah sidetrack welcome to our conversation so (laughs) so anyway so I put him in his room and for the first time, I knew that Dave needed to get to work. But Christians, disciplining Christian and sticking with it was the priority. So this is all new for me. This is all new for me. And so uh, what I do is, um, what's really great is he stopped trying to open the door, you know, but I'll still stand outside the door, you know. So I'm, I'm not quite of like, let me go downstairs and put him in his room. So I'm still there. Um and so I sit on the floor and he does this thing. Like when he's calm, when he calms down, just this cute thing. And he lays and he looks at the bottom of the floor door, you know, cause he has a big crack. And he's like, okay, mommy, I'm sorry. And I know he's ready. Like, cause it's about giving him the chill out time, right. To just like get the stress out and whatever. So this morning it went on for like 20 minutes. So now we're going on like eight twenty. you know, they usually leave for school at eight and, uh, and I'm just whatever, but he was so, He's so receptive to the love, to the, um, you're paying attention to me, you know, you're not allowing me to get rid of this like the stuff, you know, like you're not allowing me to get away with it, that, you know, he came downstairs, he had his milk, I got him dressed, we were laughing, we got, you know, brushed his teeth and brushed his hair and he put his shoes on and out the door he went and blew me a kiss. And it was just like, even though everything was late and Dave was cool, you know, he was like stressed, but I was like, listen, we can't add to the stress. This is our priority. And I really like held the, held the ground. And it's just so rewarding to have a kid that like, see that transformation. It's amazing. (laughs) It is. I know. I know. And uh, honestly, what was it? When did we start working together about this in like September? Yeah. I was going to say two months ago. Yeah. All along for the past couple of years, you'd be like, let me know when you're ready and I'll help you with Christian. (laughs) It's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) <laughs> oh my God! You would say something, and I know you, know, you never tell somebody how to parent. You know, right? I remember somebody tried telling me how to parent Yaya once, and I was like, I, I don't know what happened, but I remember <laughs> vaguely blacking out. Then I remember my head spinning. I think the the, the, the vomit, whatever it was, I was like, 
<laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, I was not happy about that. So I would never tell you how to parent, but I could see what was happening. And the only things that I would like seep to you yeah. were if you don't get a handle on this now, it's only going to get worse. Yeah. You know, yeah. and uh, and I got to tell you, Angela, you know, and, and I've mentioned this before, like in in my faculty meetings at school for the whole time that I was at the yeshiva. Remember, I was at the yeshiva for 16 years. I was always the one at the faculty meeting that's like, soon as they, but and this kid, and what do we do? And I'm like, you know, <laughs> and, and everybody knew, oh, consistent consequences with Dana Sardano. And I'm like, listen, I don't write the news, man. I just report <laughs> it, you know? And it was like this foreign concept because they all, um, I, that's not fair. The general philosophy within that building and in that community, there was, if we love our children, we have to let them know, but they didn't understand there was a level of fear attached to it. And there was a level of parenting based on, and teaching, educating based on emotion. And mm. when children, especially the younger ones, don't have consistency in everything, structure, organization, consistency, and consequences. Consequences are good or bad. But when they don't have a, a, a measurable, concrete and measurable, a measurable response that they could rely on, it they feel unsafe. Hmm. And then they carry that into adulthood. And that's why these younger kids, that's why they act out because they're kind of looking for some sort of attention. I remember having a teenager say, I wish my mother would give me a curfew. Because she felt unsafe. So what you're doing, Angela, I got to commend you, is by standing outside the door, what you're doing is you're holding your son accountable. He knows he has to be in his room. He's throwing his tantrum. You're holding your ground, right? Mm -hmm. Parenting, mothy, mother. My husband calls me mothy. Mother of the year, because he don't even know some of the stuff that I do. But we'll table that for now. But you're standing outside the door, and what you're showing him is, I'm here, I love you no matter what, but here I'm in charge, here is what I'm telling you, and I will not waver. And regardless of what he does, you still remain there, so he knows no matter what I do, how I, how I express myself, how I get over this, she's still here, my mother loves me no matter what. And then he calms down, and he says he's ready, still on your terms. Yeah. And then he comes out and you're not holding a grudge. You're not emotionally manipulating him. You're not leaving the char marks on the wall. For <laughs> you're not doing any of that. You're not doing that thing where like, look, you made mommy sad. No, no, no. actually it's, it's a, it's a celebration almost. Like yeah, it's, a hug, because... it's a kiss, it's a laugh, a giggle. Yes. Well, that was crazy. You know, like, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. Because that you made mommy sad becomes misinterpreted, right? right? It's not teaching empathy. You're teaching empathy through example. Right. Teaching empathy is you made mommy sad. You're teaching them how to emotionally manipulate through guilt and stuff like that. How would you know? That's what you learned, right? But when you stand outside that door, you're teaching your son that you have empathy for how he's feeling, but yet you're still, you're, you ready? You ready? Holding space. <laughs> <laughs> But you are, you're holding space for this child. 
And then he gets over it. He probably was able to process his emotions, still feel safe, know his mother loves him, right? I watch Yaya. Yaya is in trouble all the time. Yaya, it's like I took a rib and created her myself. She's got the spirit (laughs) of her mother in a body this big. And every time we have a thing, Rob is always like, oh, my God, Stockholm Syndrome. Like, we, like, laugh about it because she always loves mommy the most after, and she's, like, up my ass for, like, two days. And it's her way of being grateful that I Care. made her feel safe and loved yeah. and protected. Yeah. And honored her feelings, even though somebody had to be in charge. Really, really cool stuff. Human psychology is the best. Well, you know, and it's just, like, I – um. Uh, there was a whole kicking myself in the pants, right? Uh, that you and I had to go through because I didn't know. How could I know? There's no handbook that you get with a baby coming out of the hospital. It says, this is how you raise a child to feel safe and loved. <laughs> There's nothing there. All I know is what I received, you know? And so I felt really um, judgy on myself, like yeah. when all of this came to be. And then I had to say, wait, I never knew how to keep a schedule. I never knew the value of, okay, it's nap time. This is what you do. You know, I never felt um, confident to come to you as, or anybody and be like, how do I parent? You know, I had no one to ask advice to or felt if I don't know what I'm doing, you know? So, yeah. yeah. but it's been, it's been like, it's almost like you came in and you were like, the, what was that show? The the nanny or the, 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 <laughs> They used to call me that. I had a sign in my office. Somebody wrote down. I was on the phone with a parent, and the parent, for some reason, wanted me to help her out with her daughter's dead guinea pig and how to break (laughs) it to the kid. And I'm having this conversation. Bizarre, right? And I don't like, where is that in my job description? And I'm like, you don't say the guinea pig went to the farm. They have to learn about these things, right? So I'm on the phone. We're talking about a 15-year-old kid. So yeah. I'm on the phone with the mother, and a friend of mine who I worked with walked in, and on Sharpie wrote Nanny 911 and hung it on my board, and it remained there until my the end of days. But, yeah, yeah, you know, they have classes on how to drive a car, right? And there's classes for things. And they do have parenting classes, but it's usually like a baby. Like when I was in the hospital, the WIC people came in to see if I needed financial assistance because I was single. <laughs> so the WIC people came in. And also they come in, they teach you how to latch a baby onto your booby. Yes. But nobody gives you the tutorial on best parenting practices and really best parenting practices are really just good teaching. They teach you how to be a teacher, like a special ed teacher. Like I went to school to be a special ed teacher. I'm like, it's just good teaching. It's not special, right? So even with parenting, it's just good habits. And then you give them to your children. But what happens is our parents very often, if we don't know what to do, it means they didn't know what to do. It means because somebody didn't teach them what to do when they're just teaching us their broken, faulty practices. Mm-hmm. If only there were a place where people could learn <laughs> how to <laughs> how to better, you know, rear the children. If there were only a place or any written materials where people can learn how to become more empowered themselves in order to pass. All right, I'll stop. Anyway. No, I, no, but in all <laughs> seriousness though, it was because I was making the changes within, within myself that I was able to be like open 
and vulnerable and not judgy, right? Otherwise, I have the shield up. I had the wall up. No, 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 no. no. I know what I'm doing, but it's not my fault, you know, but it was having that, that door cracked open and all the the work I've been doing inside, understanding my own imbalances and rectifying them and then being able to (laughs) 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 use the words that my friends write. Um, But yeah, it was, uh, it's, it's really been because of, of me feeling empowered in my own skin. Yeah. To be able to be there for my kids. Yeah, it's truly, truly something. It's, um, you know, again, you've heard this come out of my mouth a billion times, so I'll punch myself in the you-know-what. But this idea of just being aware of our behaviors and then changing them and, um, you know, the willingness to do so. But, like, they're just, like, simple little things. Like, we when we were on the Jocoso show together, shout out to Joe. He's... Uh, pretty amazing guy uh he uh i remember you saying we're talking about (laughs) talking about when i lived with my father when my mother and father got divorced yeah yeah don't worry (laughs) 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 no no i promise this is this is all very kid-friendly and family-friendly what i'm about to say (laughs) but there was a part when my mother and father got separated and i lived with my father and i was talking about when i got my period and how do you tell people and you had said yeah when i got my first period my mother bought me a purse and i turned to you and i joked and said well that explains a lot right but let's just take that one simple thing that one simple message of i get my period or you get your period for the first time and you're trying, your body's changing, your hormones are changing. Yeah, you watch the movie in school and they show you the armpit hair and the testes and the <laughs> whatever. And yeah, but it's still this emotional, this coming of age, this different thing. And your mother's response, and this is no disrespect to your mother because your mother knew what her grand, what your grandmother taught her. You know what right. I mean? But she gives you a purse. So the child's message, were you 11, 12? How old were you? 12. Yeah, 12. 12. Yeah. Oh my God. Being a seventh grade teacher has got to be such a pain in the ass. <laughs> Shout out to every single middle school teacher ever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. But anyway, uh, you know, the message to you was, well, nothing really matters at the end of the day. If I get something cool, it'll make me feel better. If I have something physical, it'll make me feel better. And when you realize that about just that simple thing, that's one little thing, and we've got a billion things happen to us from tragic to stupid. Like, that's so benign. You get the purse, right? Yeah. But when you just stop, just take a minute. Like, anybody who's listening to this or watching this, just take a minute and think about, like, one, like, thing that you never really questioned, that you just, like, took for granted, right? And... Yeah, like my feelings, what I'm going through, none of that is going to be spoken of and delved into. I'll just go and I'll buy something. It'll make me feel better or somebody will gift me something. So what do you start doing? You start gifting things to people when they're sad or when they need something or your kids. or, And it becomes about this outward expression and not any kind of introspection, any kind of self-understanding, any kind of emotional regulation, any kind of empathy and connectedness. It's here's your purse, right? Yeah. yeah. And, then you, and then you see all the places that you've carried it and you thought you were doing a good thing because your mother did it. Right. Right. Well, and it's funny because if, if you go even deeper, right, the purse was a, a practicality gift. 
because it was about now having something to carry my pads in to go to the bathroom, right? That was the whole idea. But instead of talking to me about it, right, that's the whole thing. It's like, okay, so like Maddie and I had a whole discussion. I was like, oh, I put it up my sleeve. I I like tuck it in here. Like we had a whole conversation about what to do in different situations so that she can be like, mom, I leaked and blah, 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 blah. Okay, I'll bring you pants. Like, but I could never talk to my mom about that stuff because it was just never like, here's the conversation. It was like, you're very, very practical. So all my needs were always met, but that except except for the intimacy of the relationship. Yeah. So let me just ask you, and you could go as far as you want to go with this. How did you do with intimate relationships? (laughs) 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 Wait, wait. No, but seriously, (laughs) based on what I know about you, it's not just because you got the mother and the father. And again, this isn't about all that, but it's not just the intimate relationships with the. (laughs) I gotta get snuggy, start playing with my hair. (laughs) But it's not just about the intimate relationships with the men, because we know how that looked. But even your intimate relationships with women were rough. Um, Can I share. What I said to you at Kennedy Space Center that day? Yeah. This is before I lost my shit and cried for 20 minutes because the space shuttle went off. <laughs> Talk about an open heart shocker. Oh my God, I'm adorable. I can barely stand myself. So anyway. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so I could feel, I, you know, again, if you don't know me, I, I have these bizarre sensitivities that like, it's like a clown show sometimes, but I can feel when, when people call it a clear empathy need to hear certain things or like, I can tell without speaking to Angela on Monday, what I'm getting like when we don't speak, you know what I mean? And so I'll send her a text and she's like, like, how'd you know that? Okay. So they were in Florida in like, we'll say April, right? April or May, June, who knows a few months ago. And we, my husband and I, we, and the kids, oh yeah, mother of the year. We drove up. We drove up to see them, and we went to Kate Kennedy Space Center. And at one point, I could feel Angela's angst. There was a lot of things, and there was also business stuff. Like we're hanging out, we're looking at rockets, and like we're talking business or whatever. And at one point, I just I said, Angela, I got something I got to tell you. I can't get it off my head. And I walked up and I squared shoulders with her, and I looked at her in the eyes, and I said, I just I need to tell you this. I love you. I always support you and I never will judge you. And she's like, like, and then like waiting for me to go, but, and then go into what I was going to say. And she was like, and I'm like, no, that's it. I just needed to say that to you. You needed to hear that. I will always love you. I will always support you. I will never judge you no matter what. And it was a really special moment, but again, it was really eye-opening for Angela because for the first time in her life, especially a relationship with a woman, well, both, but again, woman to woman, a friend, sister, right? Um, never had that experience. And uh, I thought it was pretty telling, but pretty cool at the same time, you know? Yeah, it was... Uh... I remember, I didn't even remember what you were saying because I was uh, the whole time I'm waiting You're for the You're just waiting, right? Waiting for the butt because that's always been every single relationship in my life. Friends, parents, aunts, uncles, whatever. It was always the, you're great, but this is fine, but. 
everything yeah. in my life. Yeah. I've never had just the unconditional love and support ever. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. And, and I thought it was important that you hear it because you were going through a lot of changes um, had been for a while, but through a lot of changes that through, through your own requests, in some cases, some I just snuck in a punch, but you were really uh, desiring some sort of guidance or somebody to bounce things off of. And I had to do the butt. I had to share those things. I tried to use discernment in, like I said, never saying, you know, anything about your son, just being like, when you're ready, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But, uh, but it was important that for me, or it felt like you needed to hear it. I don't get, I don't know how any of this stuff works, but <laughs> that you understood that no matter what it is that came out of my mouth, even if we had a spat, right. Even yeah. cause there were many times that you were like, no, nah, that's not it. And I'm like, I know. We had a couple, couple of fights. Yeah. We're yeah, like, yeah. Very resistant. <laughs> the resistance and the density, but, uh, but you, uh, but a couple where you had to, um, where I understood, all right, there's a readiness issue. We'll, we'll get back to it and yeah. then we'll giggle about it and I'll totally bust your stones about it. But, but that discernment, that understanding in a healthy relationship, you can express yourself in this case, me express yourself, the person not be receptive, respecting that. And then when you, because how many times have you called me and been like, I was such a douche? I'm like, oh, yeah. You wait for it. You wait for it. The good news is it's getting shorter and shorter. It was like 48 hours. Now it's like maybe six hours. Like, I just need to go away and be like, oh, she's fucking right. (laughs) Now sometimes I just don't say anything. And you're like, okay, okay, okay. Sometimes I have to be like, all right, let me talk to Dana. What would Dana say? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, she's such a bitch. All right, never mind. All right, she's good. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) (laughs) You're totally like, fuck her. Before we even get on the phone. But you resolved it. You left me out of it. That's the greatest gift. Yeah, you treat me well. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah. So um. Oh my goodness! You this know, month has lasted seventeen years. Not crazy. Through all my moves, through all of life, seventeen years. This little peanut. Let me. T- well, that's a beautiful. That's a beautiful picture. That's mm-hmm. a beautiful picture. I have a mug that is. Um, it's just a white mug. I don't, the reason I drink out of this one is because it's, it's the big kahuna, but uh, it's got little frogs jumping and I have nothing. Anybody who knows me knows that, uh, you know, I left my childhood home in a bit of a rush and through, <laughs> it was a little bit of a hightailing it out of there. And, um, and even through my life, you know, I, I have a tendency to purge a lot because it's just easier to, to have clarity in, in your home and in your mind, you know, and keep very few things. But this mug with the frogs on, I don't know how long it's been in my family, but I remember it in my home, like in the early 80s. Like I've had the, it's even all faded, but it's like the, how does a coffee mug go that long without breaking? I know. Like, it's it's got to be a th- at least 30 years old. This, no, God, I'm going to get closer to 40. Uh, yeah, and it's like, you know what, honestly, and it's not even because I'm like, oh, I love this mug, you know, there's no attachment. If it broke, I feel like I, could, I had a good run, you yeah. know? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. See, 
Yeah. So I'm going to put the frog mug at this point that if something happened to it, I, it would be tragic because now it's like <laughs> Thelma and Louise are that the, the episode of Seinfeld with Kramer and the car salesman guy. They're going to oh, go the tank of gas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the mug, I mean, this mug better not with me at this point because it's, it's killing it. It's killing it at this point. Are uh, you going to leave it to the children in the well? Oh, for sure. Let them fight over it. Let them fight over it. This is mom's mug. Mommy's mug. Rob and I were making fun of my uh, my father. Uh, God rest his soul. And my Uncle Pete. You know, my father, my Uncle Pete's in his, um, oh my God, now close to late 80s. And my father passed when he was about 80. But when they were in their early 80s and 80s, my father only passed a few years ago. They're like real, like good fellas, like macho we guys, and and my my family, we, they always referred cause when I was young to my his mother, my father's mother, as, as grandma, right? So yeah. it's grandma this, grandma that, and we we're at dinner and they're drinking wine and they're being all tough and what, my uncle, okay, how you doing? You know, I swear to God, they're like that. My uncle turns to my father and was like, well, when mommy was alive, <laughs> we're like, we're all, I'm like. An uncle just calling mommy, and it was just so funny. But we were ragging on them yesterday. How that never changes. I just totally that came out of my butt. Oh, I just hit my thing, but it just kind of cracked me up how how some things don't change. So my kids will be fighting over mommy's mug. That was really the point. Without a mommy's point to that story. mug, yes, yes. Another break. Be devastated. <laughs> You'll come back to the dead. You're like guys, fine. It's a frog mug. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. They'll just call me up. I'll be like, mommy says it's just a frog mug. Yeah, call her up. Yeah. I think that this is a good opportunity because I think that we had um, a pretty. Um, I think it was a solid conversation about the importance of being aware of our behaviors as our se- for ourselves and for our parents. Do you have the Uconnect cards with you? I do. What do you Hold say on. we do a little round of Uconnect? And uh, so, yeah. in the in the in the vein of um, uh, parenting, let's hit up the It Takes a Village. Yeah. All right. I can't Why don't you explain for anybody who's seeing this for the first time what you're looking at, actually? So Dana and I created created a game, and they're going to be cards. They're like cards against humanity, but they're like cards for humanity. <laughs> I don't know. They're conversation starters. So uh, at Find Uniquely You, we have a uh, we have seven schools of thought, and the seven schools are basically. Different different ways that you can truly find yourself and find your unique qualities, but through different avenues. So you've got creative expression, empowerment. It takes a village, which is about like child rearing, elder care, um, balance, responsibility. Um, pharmacy, which is F A R M pharmacy, which is like integrative wellness and thrivelyhood. 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 is my school. That's my uh, my school where it's about like thriving in life business, uh, career, passion, pursuing your passion, things like that. So because we had a whole discussion about kids today, and I thank you for for allowing this to be a, a mini therapy session, as always. This is kind of like what our Monday calls are. Our every call is like, he's always giving me good advice. This is why I'm doing so well in life, because of Dana. So, oh, dude, give me a platform, man. I'm like, Okay. Um... So, uh, hmm, 
Because I have to answer the question, so I'm going through. I'm sorry, I'm being. Oh my god, <laughs> cheeto, cheeto! I'm a cheeto, cheater. Okay, so um, well, we can do this. All right, so let's do this one because it's fun. We've asked this before, but what's the most trouble you got into as a teenager, and would you do it again? And this is all. I think the last time this question was posed, um, I was just like, yes, I do it again. And then just kind of left it as is, you know what I did and I didn't get caught. So when I was about 15, I had never been behind the wheel of a car. Remember I had the older brother who, you know, everything was for the first time, you know, in the eighties, got the SAT tutors, went to the private school, all this stuff. And I was, you know, whatever, somewhere smoking pot with my friends. And uh, <laughs> anyways, for another day, but I had a friend of my brother's, my brother was three years older than me, had come into town and was staying at my house and he was out and he came home and was like, Hey Dana, he had a rental. And again, he had to be, eight. Oh God, I don't even know. 18, 19. Again, not the details of him being there are irrelevant, but he was there for purpose. Yeah. Um, which nobody told me about till later, but he's like, let's go for a ride. It's like 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, all right. So I get in the car with him. He's like, you want to drive? I'm like, sure. Never have driven a car in my life. So we go on the side street and I didn't know the difference between the brake and the get like nothing. And <laughs> I, we're driving. So we're coming. We, we, we hit a, a okay, it's, nobody's out, but we hit a stop sign and he's like, make a left and we're going to go back to my house. So I make a left and I hit the gas and I start to go too fast. And he's like, stop, slow down, slow down. And I hit the gas and I hit a telephone pole. <laughs> so because he rented this car, he was freaking out. And meanwhile, he hit his head on the, um, the, the what's, not the dashboard, what's the other thing? Oh, the windshield. Jesus, yeah. me with words, right? Hit his head on the windshield, cracked the windshield, and he's like, hurry, let's switch spots. So we switched spots, and I was now the passenger because, again, we would have gotten in a lot of trouble, and the cops come. Meanwhile, he's filling out the reports, but because I hit my head on the windshield, oh, my God, they're checking me for concussion and all these things. And he's all... And the, story, <laughs> and the story was he was avoiding a dog. He was avoiding a dog. He hit the telephone pole. That's right? a good story. It's a good story. This is a, you know, there's no, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, and that was, and then of course we had to call my mother. Was we we're talking about? She could have walked. It was like down. my mother shows up, and they had to put the light in my eyes. And no, <laughs> don't call an ambulance. I'll be fine. Don't let her sleep. And and that was, and that was a story for the longest time. And then when I was old enough that I didn't think I would get in trouble, I'm thirty. <laughs> but when I was like an adult, adult, I told them what really happened. Yeah. And then everything after that, I should have known better because, well, you know, if they can't throw it in my face, then what good is it? Everything was, oh, oh yeah, oh, because you hit a dog. Yeah, a dog. You know, so that turned ugly. But I, we got away with it for the longest time, and he didn't die. He didn't die like a concussion, you know, he didn't die to sleep. So, good, I, good. yeah, <laughs> crazy, crazy kids got away with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, um, oh, what was it junior year junior year so i had a um 
a high school sweetheart who was, you know, one of the captains of the football team and I was co-captain of the varsity cheering team. And we were like, you know, little like, you know, America, America, USA, you know, like couple, you know, and we broke up just before the end of junior year, which was his senior year. So I was supposed to go to prom with him and we broke up. And my mom and my stepdad and my two little brothers went away the weekend of prom. They had like a conference or something. And so I had a couple people over, you know, I was like, whatever, whoever doesn't go to prom, come over. Well, I lived in a, um, a two floor apartment, but we had like a real staircase that like went up, you know, so the spindles and I was up in my room and just hanging out with some friends. And then one of my friends comes in and they're like, Angela, you better, you better come see this. And I went down the stairs and I peeked through the spindles and all I saw were heads in my apartment, which was the third and fourth floor of a building <laughs> in this town. All I saw were heads. And now I had the Italian living room that you can't sit in. So we had this small apartment, but we, you know, the pink couches. Did you, you have the plastic? Did you have the plastic or no? Not plastic. Oh, okay. <laughs> but we weren't allowed to be in there. It was only for company. So we had like the living room and then we had, you know, half of their bedroom was like the den and then our little bedrooms and upstairs. That's in the little kitchen. There's all we were allowed to spend. People are like moving stuff. There, there's beers on the table, the polished table, didn't have pants on. <laughs> and uh, in the hallway, there was a big planter. Someone broke the planter. I mean, it was, it was like a full on animal house party in my house. I called the cops on myself. I was like, there's a party at 127 Second Street. <laughs> you have no other. So meanwhile, they know, right? Don't they know it came from your house, the call? It's, no. <laughs> I, don't it I don't know. I don't know. Where did you call from? 127 Blah Blah Street. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we put all the, we didn't do kegs, right? We had like cans of beers. And I remember I had like 16 garbage bags of beer cans up on my roof. Like we just threw them up on the roof. That's where we used to lay out on Tar Beach, you know? And so, um, my mom noticed everything. It was like risky business. Everything was put back before they got home. Everything was cleaned up and polished and sh spit shine. But there was like the vodka was low. And my stepdad was like, did you drink my vodka? <laughs> I was like, I was so busted. And I totally would do it again because it was hilarious and funny. Yeah. <laughs> and all that stuff. I think I think I actually, I fessed up because it was so ridiculous that they didn't even freaking realize that I was like grounded for the summer. But being grounded meant nothing. You know, it was like, oh, well, you're, I'm not, I won't leave the house. Okay. <laughs> when wolves are watching you, yeah, grounding is nothing, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, I uh, yeah. My my grounding was they worked full time, didn't pay attention to me, so I was out doing whatever I wanted to do anyway. But this is before cell phones, before social media. Yeah, before yeah, yeah. You know, I've had a couple like that where I'm like, yeah, just a few people. That that was the one that I was thinking when it was like, would you do it again? Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just a few people. Just my mother had bought an investment house, and they were working on it. And I was like, that's what I mean. It was on the water. So, yeah, just a few people, and then yeah, six cop cars later, I was like. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right let's uh let's end with this one what advice would you consider to, to be pure gold for our leaders future leaders what's pure gold for our future leaders mm. pure gold for the future leaders is to value um cooperation over competition mm -hmm. 
it is important to have a level of, and I use competition in the most watered down version possible, but a level of competition for yourself against your personal best, but always should come in the form of cooperation with others because when we build one another up, it's not just in a step-by-step, -step, it is exponential. So when we work on ourselves and we truly work for our own personal best, we're only better to then assist others in, 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 their, um, in their own personal best. And you would be amazed at how... I don't want to say a beautiful life could be. That's very trite, but how productive you could be as a society by doing so. Yeah, that's a good one. I want to, um, <clears throat> I think the best advice for future leaders is your Ubuntu story. That's a good one. I yeah. presume you want me to share that or? Of course, because I will not do it justice. Okay. And you always cry when you tell it, so it's fun. Oh my God. I always get that one point. I'm like... <laughs> So, so I think in the spirit of um, at the end of these shows, we always close out with a Dana's nug. Yeah. yeah. So let's just for that sake, put a little bow on it. We'll call this Dana's nugs, even though it is not my nug, but I like to say Dana's nug. Good. Bye. So, 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 so I call my artwork. I've always called my artwork Ubuntu art by Dana when I began to brand myself. And I, my gallery is Ubuntu Fish Gallery, and everything about the concept of Ubuntu is how I live my life. But the, how I even stumbled across this or how I even began to inculcate this philosophy into my life was about 10 years ago when my kids were like right out of the wrapper. They were like fetuses, you know. I stumbled across a story on social media, and again, it may be a legend or a parable, but it's powerful nonetheless. Oops, put that down. Um, of an anthropologist who was studying an African tribe um, in Africa, obviously, and he was waiting for his transportation to pick him up to return back to the States. And he was hanging out with some kids of the village. And um, he said to them, just to pass the time, hey, let's play a little bit of game. Let's play a little game. He had some candy that he had picked up from the city. And he's like, here's what we're going to do. I want everybody to line up. I'm going to put this candy by the tree. And when you guys are going to line up, and when I count to three, I want you guys to race to the tree. And whoever gets there first gets to eat the candy. And all the kids are like, yay! You know, and they all line up. And he's like, all right. And they're all, yeah. and he's like, one, two, three. And on three, they all linked arms and they all ran together to the tree. And the anthropologist was dumbfounded. He's like, oh my God. He's like, you know, why would they do this? So he goes over and, he, and they're all eating their candy and they're having the best time. And he says to one of the girls, why would you do this? Why would, well, essentially, why would you share? And the girl looks at him and this is where it always gets stuck in my throat. <laughs> she looks at him and she goes, Ubuntu, I am because we are. I can't be happy unless we're all happy. And when I read this story, I was so taken by this concept because it's so lost, especially in the Western culture, that I just turned everything upside down in my home. I began to raise my children under this concept, forge my friendships, build business now is under this concept. And this idea, when we all uplift one another, I'm not suggesting you put somebody else's needs first. 
I'm saying when you understand that somebody else's needs are as important to the greater picture and you live your life trying to assist one another, life is beautiful. All of these children could sit by this tree and enjoy candy rather than one billionaire sitting in the corner while the rest of us are, you know, Ooh. looking at gas prices. It's an amazing way to govern our microcosms and govern the micro, the macrocosm around us. It's really, really something special. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a great mug. And I, every time you say it, it's such a beautiful story. And, you know, <clears throat> I was, uh, I went to put Christian in soccer this year. Right. So this is Christian's never played really like team sport before. We don't really watch sports. We're not a sports family. Um, and he has fun at the practice where he's passing it around. He has fun playing tag. But when he has to go and steal the ball from another kid, he's not comfortable with it. He doesn't like it. He runs off the field crying. He does not want to be that way. And, I, and I'm like, why just for the sake of the game? But if he, did, if he doesn't want to, if he wants the Ubuntu, if he wants everybody to just have fun and be silly and not steal toys from his friends, you know, then I'm not going to force that. That's not what this is about, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I like that he's kind of in that philosophy. And I'm not going to force it to change because it's beautiful. You know, yeah. I don't want to steal the ball and take it and have the hero be the goal. That's great for some people, but not for him. So I'm not going to push it. You know, I think it's, I don't know if I would have recognized that if I didn't know this like story and, and start to embody it also. You know, there's also a component, not just the Ubuntu component with Christian, but when these children are young, they learn to live in the now and enjoy the enjoy life, kick the ball to kick the ball. And we teach them this competition. Mm -hmm. I even wrote, I'm pretty sure it's in 10 recs. I think it's even the attachment section, but about the difference between a five-year-old playing ball or soccer. Yeah, I think it was even soccer. It's kicking the ball around versus a 15-year-old. 15-year-old has such a joy of, or the five-year-old, excuse me, has such a joy of kicking the ball. Yeah. And the 15-year-old has been trained to want to score, to want to win, to want to be the best. Yeah. And somewhere we've taught our children this. And again, I'm not saying that there isn't, there isn't some fun and healthy competition, but we've lost healthy in a lot of ways. And mm -hmm. so if your son wants to kick the ball around, as long as he's not being disrespectful of other people's boundaries who want to steal and share and do whatever they're doing, yeah. then let him kick the ball. Yeah. Yeah, this Sunday, so I was coach, so I decided to not be coach anymore, right? Because I was, I want to spend time with him. This is a mm -hmm. whole thing for us to do together. So other, another dad stepped in and everything went well. And then Christian went with his father to another goal across the field. And they were just kicking the ball back and forth. And he was yep. outside. He was playing, like being active. He was connecting with his dad. And he was having the best time. He was trapping the ball. He was doing all the things he learned in practice, but just under his own terms. And yep. it and it satisfied everything. And, and at the end, he's chanting, go salty dogs. And he's high five. He's still part of the team, but he doesn't have to. I'm not going to force him to do what, he does not, what he's not comfortable with. He's, he's and, like. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Continue, please. No, that's okay. I've got it. That's it. I was going to say, that's a double nug. Because a double nug is, I just wanted to say <laughs> that, but that we forget that about the joy in the activity. Yeah. It's just the joy of the activity. Yeah. That's it. And if we, Angela and I, can leave you guys with anything, it's just to remember that's, that's really the only thing we've got.
It's the joy in the moments. They'll just lead you to another joyful moment. And if we could find the joy in the things that we do and then find things that bring us joy, like kicking the ball around for no apparent reason, then why not? Like I hear Yaya in the bathtub. I sort of got, she sounds like a drunken pirate. We're like, what is she doing there? She's splashing. She's singing. She's not looking for attention. She's having a freaking party. We have to drag her out of the tub. The water's ice cold because she knows how to find the joy in the moments. I mean, God, but I mean, I'm like banging my head against the wall because I can't get her to do anything I need her to do. But yeah. God bless her for having that perspective. And, and, you know, kudos to Rob and I for, you know, not beating that, beating that metaphorically, beating that out of her. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Stay for future leaders who are children now. Stay young and have fun. Have stay fun. Gold, pony boy. To close us out, I'm going to do a little, our usual uh, shameless plug since it's for us. So um, for those that you do not know, Dana has written a book called 10 Recommandments for Personal Empowerment, and it is fucking amazing. And you can get the paperback on Amazon. You can also buy the audiobook on finduniquelyyou.com in the shop. Um, or if you uh, go to finduniquelyyou.com, we have something new called a spark meter. It kind of like helps you judge like where you're at. Just kind of check in with yourself. No one's, no one's going to look at your answers. This is for nobody but you. Download the PDF. Check your spark meter. See where you um may have some areas that would bring you more joy if you were in that in that spot and then we kind of have like an orange brick road path to help you kind of like see and if it takes you to um a spot that you might want to like let's say since we're in take it, it takes a village it'll take you to the it takes a village school and you'll see some parenting workshops that we have some from some amazing new instructors dana teaches uh, one of her books veda uh it's all about like your own imbalances helping it see in children um just amazing courses there and um, you can take a workshop and if you take a workshop, you can get the audiobook for free. So uh, that's our, our little, our little gift to you for, for experiencing the audiobook is awesome because Dana narrates it herself. So it's her telling her stories, often hilarious, sometimes tragic, but always brilliant uh, in her own voice. Um, so you can get that at finduniquelyyou.com. And I just want to thank Scopic Software and Eugen for doing our editing. And I want to thank our entire team, um, Kristen, Rob, Dave, our U instructors, Paul, shout out to everybody. We love you. And um, yeah, I guess we'll round out this one till, till we get to our next guest. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And Angela. Stay cozy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, wait, 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 hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you're so dumb, you're so dumb, you're so dumb. <laughs> I'm gonna get some really funny ones because I've got a whole a whole board here, so there'll be oh, some yeah. here. Wait, don't worry, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. keep that because you know I'm always like, okay, I know. All right, cool. I'm so, so, goodbye for real now, okay? Goodbye. Oh, I'll you. <laughs> <laughs>